0: I said praise the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. God deserves all of the glory, all of the praise, all of the worship. And I feel a spirit of worship in here. I don't know how you got here or how you felt when you came, but there's something transforming about being in the presence of God. And when you begin to worship God, you're able to let go of that spirit of heaviness, and take up the garment of praise. And as we open up the word of God, I just want us to sing. Here I am to worship in case some of us were confused of why we came to church today. We came to worship. We came to bow down. We came to let God know that he is God and there's nobody else like him. Amen? And so I want you all to lift your voice with me as we sing this song.
1: Love of the world, you sat down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see, beauty that made this heart adore you, You. Uh, we're
0: we give you glory and honor there's nobody like your God there's nobody like your God you're in a class all by yourself God and so we worship you we worship you because you're great and greatly to be praised we lift up your name God nobody like your God you sit on the throne Heavenly Father and you sit high and look low oh God full of love and mercy, full of knowledge and wisdom. There's no God like our God, and we worship
1: you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We
0: bless God in this place. He's worthy of our praise and our honor. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Something said, you better open your eyes and realize you're not the only one in here. But God, hallelujah. I- yes, 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 yes. We worship you, God worship you, God. You can take that spirit of heaviness, take the oil of joy. I'll take the garment of praise. I'll trade my sorrows for the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As we turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. I'll read in your hearing verse 29, and as you're looking for it, we just want to welcome back Dr. Terry Bryan. Welcome home. It's always good to have you in the house. And as we move on this week, we want to praise God for the wonderful time that we had last week, amen, with Caribbean International Day. Under the leadership of Elder Harold Zemenes, praise God, for our head elder and all of the work and coordination that took place. Now we're reading Matthew chapter 25, verse 29. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, and it reads like this For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. This morning, I am going to attempt to speak to you with a message entitled The Flow of Abundance. The Flow of Abundance. And as I try to. Capture it all in one message. I realize that I might not be able to finish it today. But I'm I'm definitely gonna start. The flow of abundance. Heavenly Father, send your spirit to speak to us, to guide us, and to lead us into all truth. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would break up the fallow ground of our hearts and our minds that you would beat back the powers of the enemy that would seek to detract, distract, or derail the word of God from bearing fruit in our lives. Heavenly Father, this is good word, and I pray that it bears much fruit. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. There are many names for God. There are many ways that people acknowledge him and experience him. And a lot of times in the Bible, we find that people, uh, when they experience God in a different way, they have a different name for him. One of my favorite names for God is El Shaddai. That means God Almighty. That means the God who is more than enough. That means God, the all-sufficient one. That is the one that excites me because as I look around and I see so much need and so much lack and and, and there's so much missing to know that I serve the great God Almighty who is more than enough. That helps me sleep at night. That helps me to know that I serve an abundant God. Jesus said that he came that we might have life, and not just have life, and not just have life sufficiently, but abundantly. God wants us to have abundant life, more than enough. But the thing about it is that you have to believe that about God. You have to believe that God is more than enough. You have to believe in God's abundance. I don't know if you all know the story when Jesus was talking about uh, an unjust steward. And at the, end of the sur- at the end of the story, he says that no one can serve two masters. Either you'll serve one and hate the other, or you'll be devoted to one and not the other. Man cannot serve God and mammon. That's the only place where Jesus juxtaposes somebody else with God as like an opposite. Never says you can't serve God in your job, never says you can't serve God and You know, all of the many sins and different things we can think of. But what Jesus says is you can't serve God and mammon. Now, what is mammon? Mammon is uh, often thought of as the God of money, the spirit of greed. It is a foreign word. And when they take back the etymology, when they look back at where the root of the word comes from, it means what you trust in. And so mammon comes to try to steal your trust away from God. It is a false god that wants you to trust in it. It is a false god that wants your time, your attention, your service. Now, Jesus says you can't serve both. So you need to understand that mammon is a wannabe god. It is a false god. It is a wannabe provider. And when you find yourself or people saying certain things, and you know that that's mammon at work, when you begin to think, if only I had more money, dot, dot, dot. If only I had more money, I could go to school. If only I had more money, then I could break up with this man. If only I had more money, then I could do more ministry. If only I could have more money, then I could better myself. If only I had more money, my marriage would be better. When we talk like that, we begin to think that money is our source. Because everything I name, there is a promise in the Bible, there is something in the word that tells us that you don't need more money for a better marriage. Well, God has joined together, let no man put asunder. God said that he would tear down the middle wall of separation between you and bring those who are far off near and so many times we're sitting here like, oh, Lord, I just need more money. Maybe we need more Jesus. We say that if, if, if I had more money, I could better myself. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. He who began this good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you all see how that God mammon gets in there and tries to mess with your mind? and makes you think that money will solve all of your problems. But money is not your source. God is. It's a Cree Indian proverb that says, only when the last tree has died and the last river has been poisoned and the last fish has been caught, we will then realize we can't eat money. Because at the end of the day, we want money, but we can't eat money. We can't wear money. We can't sleep in money. At the end of the day, we have to convert it. Money doesn't keep you warm at night. It is not provision. It is a means for provision. You've got to convert it into something else. You've got to convert the money into food. You've got to convert it into a house or warmth or something like that. It does not necessarily provide for you. But a lot of times we think that we just got to get that so we could be provided for. When God himself said that he would be a provider. And so when kingdom people get hooked up with the king, when we get hooked up with the good shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not suffer lack. God says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. He said the, the, the animals don't worry about it. And they get steak dinners. They say, the lilies don't have to shop at Nordstrom's. And they look better than all of, 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 of Solomon with all of his designer clothes. God says, I know how to provide for my people. I know how to take care of your every need. I am more than enough. A lot of times we think that the U.S. dollar is the currency of heaven. Heaven does not need to convert blessings into U.S. dollars. Most European countries don't even want U.S. dollars. I was somewhere and I was going to give an offering, I was traveling abroad and I was going to give an offering. And they were like, what is it, U.S.? Oh, just keep it. Your money's not worth too much here. And so a lot of times we think that we've got to get that dollar so that we can get our needs met. But the God that we have you all read Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2? It says, "Ho oh, come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. We can experience abundance without experiencing money. Now, see, I know I'm messing with y'all. I know I'm messing with you. Because many are thinking, well, I like abundance and money, please. But we are going to be talking about getting in the flow of abundance. And when you get in the flow of abundance, the first thing is you got to let go of a spirit of poverty. And what that is, is a poverty, that's lack. And so a lot of times you don't want to give because you think there's not more than enough. And so you want to hold on to stuff. You can be rich and have a spirit of poverty. Also, you can have blessings, but that spirit of poverty messes with you. And so you don't want to tell nobody you've been blessed. You don't want people to get jealous of you. Or you don't want people to know what God is doing in your life. There's a host of reasons. Has anybody ever had a blessing from the Lord but didn't want to tell nobody? Because you didn't know if somebody else around you, you know, was going to be excited about your blessing. Or so, you know, God bless you, but you want to keep it quiet. You don't want nobody to know. And you don't want nobody to ask you for it either. That's the spirit of poverty. Because, see, when you live in abundance and you understand abundance, you know that there's more than enough. And so I don't have to be stingy with you because I know that there is more where that came from. Do you all know that this principle is, you see it everywhere in nature. Now, we don't see it too much in the capital capitalistic United States, but we do see it in the kingdom of God and in nature. A tree, you know, when I first started planting my garden and I had the the fruit, I didn't know. So I didn't want to pick the fruit, I wanted to save it. And they're like, well, if you don't pick it, you're not going to get any more. As the tree gives, it is able to give. And the more you pick it, the more fruit it produces. That's a principle in nature. So you give, and as you give, you have abundance. This, for my ladies, my ladies, you all understand this, and men, you could go la, 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 la if you want to. But when you're nursing, ladies, (laughs) I heard all the men say la, 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 la. That's what you get when you have a woman pastor. (laughs) When you are nursing, there is enough. And when they need more, it's there. But now, see, I didn't know that at first. I was like, maybe we should save some. Maybe we can't give it all for breakfast. It might not be no lunch. But the doctor was like, no, no. The more you give, the more you have. That is a law of nature. Do you all understand what I'm saying to you? I'm trying to let you know how the kingdom works, irrespective of how this nation works. Because a lot of times we get delusional with the American dream, and we lose out on the kingdom principles. Do you all understand? Because I want you all to see that I'm not just making this up. This is in nature. We see it everywhere. These mountains, springs, they keep pouring out, and God replenishes the water, and they keep pouring out. The more you give, the more you have. Now, let me, before I I continue, I, I feel like I have to say there is a difference between God's abundance and the devil's excess. There's a difference between God's abundance and the devil's excess. And some people talk about God's abundance and they really mean the devil's excess. Because abundance means more than enough. It means plentiful. It means sufficient, uh, uh, enough for everybody. But excess in the dictionary, it, it, it has words like, too much beyond reason, Um, more than immoderate indulgence, more than is even necessary, going beyond reason. And so there's one thing to have an abundance and to have more than enough, especially with the spirit of abundance where you want to give and be plentiful. And then it's something else to just want excess for you. To have more stuff than is humanly possible to even have. But some people just want to have it to have it. And that is not what we are talking about. Furthermore, when we talk about the abundance of God, most of the time it does not come in cars and houses. I mean, the Bible talks about unsearchable riches. Uh, It talks about, I mean, and and really and truly, we are talking about things that money can't buy. I've seen people in big houses with lots of cars crying all night long. If they knew they could have the peace that passes all understanding, you can't buy that. Depressed out of their mind, if they knew there was something such as joy unspeakable, full of glory. You can't buy that. So God gives us stuff that money can't buy. Now, he doesn't mind giving you stuff that money can buy. That, that don't phase him at all. But he is on such another level, and a lot of times we get stuck with the little stuff, and God wants to bless us abundantly. So this is the thing. God, however, tests us in our point of need first. When you have little, God tests you to see if you qualify for much. You all understand what I'm saying? God tests you to see if you know that he is your source. That's where faith comes in because you have to act on faith before you see what God is going to do, before you know how it's going to turn out, before you see the end from the beginning. Faith. And God tests you in your point of need. Now, one of the first ways That God tests us. God declares and decrees from the beginning of the Bible that he gets the first. Amen? God gets the first of everything. So he says in Exodus chapter 13 that I get the firstborn. He says in Exodus 23, I get the firstfruits. Whatever's first, God gets that. First, off the top, you all know the story of Cain and Abel, some of you. That was Adam and Eve's children. Cain and Abel. Abel offered us, let's read it, because I I don't want you all to think I'm making stuff up. So turn to uh, chapter 4 in Genesis. So uh, let's just start with verse 2. Okay, no, verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again. This time his name was Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of sheep, but Cain was the tiller of ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the what? The firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now, many people think that God had a problem with Cain's offering because it was fruit. I disagree. Abel gave the first fruit. He gave the firstborn. The very first. But when we look at what Cain gave, it says, in the process of time. After, you know, the crops grew and then he made sure that his vats were full, that he had enough for the winter time, that he had enough to, you know, have a feast for his family. And then when he got good and ready and made sure that his mortgage was paid and everything was ready, then he got what was left and said, here you go, Father. You all see that? So it wasn't, I mean, because God accepts first fruits. It wasn't that he gave fruits. It was that he gave lasts. God requires of us the first fruit, and this is why. Because God wants everybody to not be confused on who their source is. Imagine now you get your money and you get a a, a a bull or, you know, and or you breed it and you get two and they have a baby. And you sitting there like, oh, I can't wait till, till this baby grows up. Boy, we're either going to have some milk. We're going to sell this thing. We're going to finally make some money. They're sitting there waiting for that thing. Finally, I, 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 you know, our, our check is about to come. Fine. But God says, no, the first is mine. So that lets you know cuz how are you eating while the, the the how are you eating while the first is being born? How are you getting taken care of before all that stuff is taken care of? God is sustaining you. Yeah. And so before you get into the cow breeding business, the sheep breeding business, the orange breeding business, whatever it is, you know from the get-go that God is running this. And the only reason why you keep eating every day is not because Bessie had a cow, but it Cause God is sustaining you. It's the same with the first fruits. You waiting, you planning, and you waiting, and you finally see some fruit, be like, oh, are we about to eat good today. No. You take all of that and you give it to the Lord, and God will continue to sustain you, and you will know before you even start your farming business good, that God is a provider, that God is more than enough. God wants us to give before we see what is, you know, what the end's going to be. And, and realize, because God asks of us to give a tithe, a tenth. Amen. And... So I have 10 bills right here. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Now, which one of these is God's? Number one. Not 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, or 9, or 10. The first one. Now, realize if God wants a tenth, but He's requiring the first one, you don't even know if you're going to get nine more cows out of Bessie. Do you all understand what I'm saying? You don't even know if you give Him the first basket if God is going to provide nine more. But you are giving it to Him in faith, saying, I'm not. Putting my faith in Bessie or a basket. I'm putting my faith in you. Turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase. Why? Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And so God says, when you honor me with your first fruits, then you will experience plenty and overflow. Did you all see that? But not only that, and please understand that I don't want you all to begin returning to God Because it's a good business investment. And it is. You pick up any good book on investing, and they always have a chapter. Rich people know this. The kingdom principles work, period. Like gravity. Save, unsave, gonna fall when gravity kick in. And I was just surprised to see how many of these people they talk about. Tithing, they don't call it tithing, but they talk about giving a 10 to charity or to giving and and not being stingy and being, all of this. But not, so it is a good business investment, but that's not why we do it. Amen. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. Verse 23, no, 16. It says, for the first fruit is holy. The first fruit is what? The first fruit is holy. If the first fruit is holy, then the lump is also holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. So this gives us a principle. If that first part is holy, and it is, and you do what you're supposed to do with it, then the other 90% becomes holy and blessed. Do you all understand what I'm saying? And so when you give God the first, then he blesses and sanctifies the rest. That's how, uh, that's how in Psalms they were able to say, "Better, it's better to be with God. I wish I had the proper verse. Than having like a rich a whole bunch of riches is better to eat vegetables with God than having a whole bunch of riches with the wicked. God can do things for you with little money than you that you would be able to do if you had lots of money but your money was not blessed. There was this church they um they had this ministry the pastor told me about it. They had this ministry and they really needed a truck, like a big bread truck to house some of the things that they were doing. And so one of the members saw the truck and was like, that is the truck. We need this truck. It was on the sale, it was on the side of the road for sale. And so they went back to Pastor, we need this truck. But Pastor knew they didn't have no money. Everybody knew they didn't have no money. But we are supposed to have this truck. So they called a man and said, I'm calling about that truck. They're like, oh, yes, uh, the price is such and such. Okay, yeah, we want the truck, except we don't have any money. So we just want you to give it to us. Like, well, you know, we're trying to sell it, so uh, I don't know. So give me your number, I'll call you back. How many know? You all know I went and told the story. Unless God moved on the people, and even though they didn't have money, they got what they needed. They got the truck for free. They gave it to them. How many know that God will bless whatever you have left if you honor him with the first? Now, see, some of us give, but we give when we have it. We give at the end. We give. On occasion, Haggai chapter 2, it talks about when you put your money in your bag, you're putting it in a purse full of holes. I blow on it. And I don't need any cursed money. I don't need any unblessed money. I want God to bless whatever I have. So the first begin belongs to God. And, and I know that this could be a hard saying for many of you, and I'm not even finished. It gets worse, or better, however you look at it. But 10 is often used for testing. That's a number of testing. Often in the Bible, you see it's a number of Testing. Uh, Jacob's wa- Jacob was t- tried ten times. Laban changed his wages ten times. Uh, you all know there were, th- how many virgins were there? How many commandments? Pharaoh was tested with how many plagues? Um, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they first got to Babylon, they went on this special diet, and they were tested for how many days? How many disciples are there? Twelve. I'm just checking to see if y'all listening. But ten is a number of testing often in the Bible. And God tests us. But the Bible says that if we are faithful in little, God will make us ruler over much. If we are faithful over little, God will make us ruler over much. Now, how do we get to the point where we feel like we can trust God with our money? First of all, we have to see things as God sees them. And it really isn't our money. The Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He also says in Haggai 2, that same verse silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. Proverbs 8, 18 says, Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. And so when we begin to see all of the things we have as God's, then it doesn't, uh, it's not as difficult for us to return to him. You all understand what I'm saying? Now, I asked a couple of you all for your car keys. They, you know, they like, um, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know if I'm going to give you. Somebody already told me my keys are special. You can't touch my keys. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm going to use these a little later. I'm going to use these a little later. But when, because um, I, I had a car and I viewed it as God's, I believed that my car was anointed. It hurt me to part with it because I felt like God gave me that car and the earth is the Lord and the fullness era. So when my car, my anointed car, did not start, I didn't have money for the mechanic, so I got my oil. And I anointed this car and I said, Jesus, this is your car and I'm doing your business and I need you to start this car. And it started. Now it broke shortly after. And so, I mean, I I did the whole praying thing several times and it would start. But I said, let me take this thing to the shop. So I took it to the shop and I kept. Uh, and they said they were going to see what was wrong with it, whatever. And I kept calling because I didn't want them to do anything till they told me how much it cost. Because we were then we were in seminary, and we didn't have any money for car repairs at all. And I didn't want them to take my car and keep it like we did the repairs so we're not going to release the car because I could put some oil on it and get, you know, at least a little plate. It'll get me to where I need to go for a little bit. So I kept calling her, like, we haven't did the car, we haven't done the car. And this was on a Friday, and so the sun was starting to set, and I'm like, I need my car. You know, the church was, like, 24 miles away, and so I just go to the I go to the shop, and because they never called me, tell me how much it was going to cost. I go to the shop, and they're like, oh, yeah, we fixed it. I'm like, oh, no. And I was like, so how much is it? And they were like, oh, it's on us, just take it. They didn't charge me. Now, let me tell you this. And I'm not talking about my husband. He will tell you this story. When we first got married, we had plenty, plenty argument over tithing. Because when I was a college student, I believed in doing 20%. 10 for tithe and 10 for offering. And so, uh, and see, you got to be, faithful and little. It's easier to do it when you only have $5. It's a lot easier. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a dollar. Here, God, here's a dollar. But I learned the habit. So we got married and we were both in school and I got this thing about being in debt and so I wouldn't take out any loans. I'm doing ministry. God's gonna have to pay my bill and I At the time, I didn't, I didn't have a job yet. And so, you know, I had all this stuff going on. my husband was like, uh-uh, this is not going to work. And I was insistent on tithing 20%, 10 and 10. We had many, many arguments over this thing. Now, he didn't have a problem tithing, the doing the 10%. He didn't even have a problem giving a faithful offering. He had a problem of that offering being 10% of our income, and we had school bills, we had rent, we had two broke cars, we had all kind of stuff. We went back and forth. And so finally, ladies, I stopped arguing with my husband and started arguing with God. I was like, okay, I'm I'm done talking to him. I'm not going to say nothing else, Jesus. And God was like, you better remember that. Keep your mouth shut. And so we would start getting in these arguments or whatever, and I would just, instead of arguing, I would just go pray like, Father, help me. Um, That's that's your your boy, so tell him, Jesus. And God did. It wasn't anything I could have said. I hope I'm helping somebody's marriage right now. There was nothing that I could have said that would have convinced him. God had to tell my priest. And once God told the priest, it was all good. And so then we begin tithing 10 and 10. And then we begin to see crazy stuff happen like oil fixing cars or mechanics fixing them for free. Do you all understand what I'm saying? The little that the righteous have. How many know that the Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it. And so when... I began to, we as a family began to give to the Lord. Then we began to see all kinds of blessings beginning to come our way. Now, I'm I'm talking, I need somebody to give me $50. Can, Can somebody give me $50? Anybody? Oh, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. Somebody praise the Lord. Uh, amen. Yeah, somebody said that's real money. Yeah, it's real money. It's real fifty dollars. Two twenties and two fives. Fifty dollars. Amen. Now you all are tripping. I feel like I can't go no further because everybody's like, for real, was she giving me fifty dollars too? But this is what happened. I gave it to her at the beginning of at the beginning of church. I said, and I'm gonna call for you to return it. And. It was easy for her to give it to me because she knew it was not hers. Do you all understand what I'm saying? See, God is giving this to you from the get-go. And He saying now, but there's going to be a point in church I'm going to call for it. And I don't want you to trip. I don't want you to. You know, that's your cue to return to me what is mine. You all understand? You all with me now? Because, you know, a lot of times we return what God has given us, and then we think we've done something great. You know, I mean, Sandra is a very generous woman, but that wasn't an act of generosity right there. You all understand? You know what I'm saying? so, like, I got these keys. Talk about generosity. I feel like giving away some cars. I see people's, hey, I mean, I just feel like I want to be like Oprah and just give away some cars. Anybody want a car? Three people are walking away with cars today. Guess what? You get a car. You get a car. And you get a car. Woo! Now, do you all think I am as generous as Oprah? I'm just giving them their keys back. I'm returning the cars that they gave me. I mean, and so I could feel real good about myself. I could think that I did something special, but all I did was return what they gave me, right? I get no props for giving them. Do y'all feel like y'all want something special? No, not particularly. Because we are returning What God has already blessed us with. And God tells us that when we do this, he said, return unto me, and I'll return unto you. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. God has all kinds of blessings in store. Now, do you all want me to let you all marinate on this? And I'll tell you the next thing next week, because the next thing is going to mess you up. You want me to wait till next week? Yeah, okay. Oh, y'all want to know now? It's going to mess you up, though. Okay. Okay. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. That's the verse we started with. You all know this verse. This is the parable of the talent. And for those of you who might not have heard this story before, Jesus tells this parable or story about this rich man who calls three of his managers. And to one talent is, is like a kind of, it, it was how they measured money. So say, we could say we could call him th- the parable of the thousands or something like that. So he gives to one five talents. To another he gives two talents, and to another he gives one talent. So he goes away, and he comes back, and then we read what happens in verse 20. Well, 19. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you have delivered to me five talents, and look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, that's not the point of the story, but he said, if you're faithful in a few things. So... Like, even now, before we have a whole lot of things, I told my husband already. I said, you need to be prepared to write million-dollar checks for kingdom purposes. We're not going to blink. We're not going to flip out about it. It's not going to make us lose sleep. We know long before we've seen that many zeros that when the time comes, it's going to be easy as pie. And God knows by the way we treat a $5 bill and a $100 bill, that we're probably going to be faithful with the million dollar bill. That's what that he said. You have been faithful over a few things. Now I will make you ruler over many. So he does the same thing with the person with two talents. He got two talents, and the guy gives him back his two talents and gives him another two talents. And then we come to the one who received one. Verse 24. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. So this man returns what was given to him. He returns it. God gave it to him as a store. He said, I'm going to come back for it. And the man did what he was asked to do. Let's look at the response. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and that I gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to at least have deposited my money with the bankers so that at my coming, I would have received interest back. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who had ten talents, verse 30, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lot of times we feel like we did something if we just return God's tithe. If we return what was asked of us. But God didn't seem too impressed with that. That's basic. See, that's why I said maybe y'all need to like marinate on the basic before I get you up to par and intermediate. Because we think that we're doing something. I mean, some of us need to get to a place where we can tie, And some of us need to understand that that's not the end all. We have to bring a tithe and an offering. We need to bring something more. Now, please understand that I'm not saying this because I want something from you. Amen. If y'all start giving a million dollars every week, I don't get a raise. I get the same thing. If y'all get one dollar, I don't get a raise. I'm going to be okay. So understand that because the conference is not my source. God is my source. So understand that I'm not saying this because I want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to be able to walk in the flow of abundance. I want you to be able to experience what God has for his people. I want you to be able to experience the unsearchable riches. I want you to have life and have it more abundantly. And God is calling many of us to go higher, to not just, you know, give a little tithe and think that we've done something. That, that didn't cost you anything. That was God's from the get go. David, when there was a plague and, and David had to sacrifice to ask God to um, stop it, he went to the threshing floor of Aruna and Aruna said, Take the, flesh, the threshing floor and take my oxen. And David stepped back and said, Whoa, no! How can I give to God what has cost me nothing? It had to be a sacrifice. He had to give of what he had. Okay, as the musicians begin to play, I I, want to end with this. Because God, you all know how the firstborn, the very first, belongs to God. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he gave him in faith. He didn't wait to see if we would get ourselves together. He didn't wait to see if we would follow the Bible. He didn't wait to see how this thing was going to turn out. The Bible says that in that while we were still in sin, Christ died. He gave his first, he gave his only. And that son, Jesus the Christ, said, I have come that you might have life. He was giving his life so that you could have life. The Bible says he became poor so that you could experience the riches of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. You all know what wages are? That's what you work for. That's my check. That's what I are. But the Bible talks about God giving us His children an inheritance. Do you all know what an inheritance is? Do you work for an inheritance? A lot of times you get inheritance because you are connected to somebody who's rich. You are connected to somebody who is more than enough. You are connected to an all-sufficient one. And God, who is great and rich in mercy and rich in love and rich in joy and rich in forgiveness and rich in power, allowed us to tap into those unsearchable riches. Allow us to experience the peace and joy of God. We don't have to live lives of lack. We don't have to live lives of sin. We don't have to live lives of defeat. God has orchestrated this thing that we could have life and have it more abundantly. There's somebody in here who needs to say I want to give my life to God the Bible says that if you try to save your life you might lose it but if you give it then you'll find it and there's somebody in here who has not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and God wants to give you life and give you abundant life eternal life I'm not talking about in the sweet by and by you can have abundant life Today, if that is you, I want you to raise your hand. You want to make a commitment to God. Say, I want to give you my life. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask that you would continue to move in this place. Lord, I ask that you would allow your spirit to speak clearly and powerfully, oh God. There are some of us who have some decisions to make, oh God. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would allow us to make the right one. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There are some of us who need to make a decision to give God the first fruits. Not just in your money, of your time, of your anything. Some of us may have been tithing and and giving, but we weren't giving God the first. We were giving what was left over. But you want to make a commitment. Now, if you're not there, don't stand. Let's pray and ask God to get you there. But I don't want you lying in church. Amen. Amen. But there are some of you who want to step out in faith. You want to step into the flow of abundance and you want to declare that you want to give God the first. You want to give God tithe and offering. You're willing to make that commitment. I'm gonna ask you to stand. You don't have to be shamed about it. Now we're gonna sing Give and it will come back to you. They're playing the other parts, I just know the chorus. Let's lift our voice meditatively.